Hey everyone, and welcome to Angel Talk, Reflections of an Ambitious Angel Mom. My name is Philip Kerrigan. I am the executive director of Raise for Rowan. We are the organization that helps families suffering through the loss of a child with funeral cost assistance and emotional support. I am not joined today by the angel mom. She again um, went out and interviewed Summer Gordon last week. And so what we're going to do this week is play part two of that particular interview. You may remember Summer. Summer uh, lost uh, her angel in sort of a, a very similar fashion to Bryn's. They talked a little bit about that last week. Lost her angel in, in an accident at her home. Um, and kind of just like Bryn decided to figure out a way to try and find meaning in, in, in that grief and in, within that death and is an author, just like our ambitious angel mom, she wrote a book called hope remains. And uh, the book is really all about how to be able to navigate through, through your grief and the fact that, uh, things can still look up. You can still live a, a happy and fulfilled life in honor of the angel that you lose. And so this is part two. This is kind of neat. Uh, Hearn Bryn kick off the kick off the interview talking about uh, sissy signs, which of course is everybody's favorite when it comes to these podcasts, talking about these different sissy signs. So they share one, and then they talk a little bit more about Summer's book, and they talk more about sort of the way that each one of them navigate through uh, the pain and heaviness of grief on a daily basis. I am not going to take up too much of your time. I'll I'll hit more on the upcoming events that Race for Rowan has at the end of this podcast. But let's go ahead and kick this off and send you into part two. Here is the interview, the final part. All right. Um, everybody, our listeners know what a sissy sign is, but I would love to ask you, Summer, if you have a sissy sign from Sawyer. So I haven't had a ton of them, but Sawyer loved Matchbox cars. And they're everywhere, like they're in our yard, we'll find them in just the most random of places. Um, but usually I'll, I'll find, I'll find one sometimes not long after he passed away, I was in a store and I was just walking around very much, you know, you feel like you're walking around out of your body, because you just don't feel fully present. You're just still walking around in a haze and kind of in shock and in a fog. And I was just walking around a store and there was a, a shopping basket. It wasn't a cart. It was just a little basket that had been placed down on the floor and it was empty. It didn't have anything in it. And I walked by and I looked down and there was the tiniest little matchbox car. And it wasn't in a package. It was one that somebody had left behind. Oh my but gosh. It, yeah. It was just, it was a sissy sign. And so it was just one of those things where I was like, thank you, Lord. Okay. He's still, you know, he's still there. and He's still present in our lives in some fashion. Oh, I love that. I just feel like those moments um, come when you need them the most too. Like when you're, you know, maybe having a rough day or um, a hard moment in your grief. And I feel like those moments are so special to remind us that they're still with us. So much. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, I know that you've you mentioned earlier that you and your husband, well, I'd actually didn't mention if your husband was, but that you have been a longtime believer. Um, has your faith changed since the loss of Sawyer? It has become much more personal, much more personal. Um, it's like you have this head knowledge and it has just downloaded into my heart. And it, it was already in my heart too, but it's just totally expanded. 
And um, my husband, yes, he was, he's also a longtime believer and very similar um, faith story of, as mine. But um, it, my faith has, it's been more, gosh, less about religion and so much more about relationship and knowing Jesus as a person in my life and um, loving people more. Like it's really, my faith has expanded. It's, it's been more of an active faith rather than just something that I keep to myself. Um, I'm not still not one that goes out just evangelizing in the streets or anything like that, but I'm much more, you know, I feel like you wear this kind of like you have a rite of passage now, like I wear the badge, I, I've earned the badge. Now I can talk about, and that's not the case. It's, you know, it's not that we can't talk about our faith before, but when people know that, that you've suffered such a tremendous loss, they are much more inclined to listen. And yeah. so I'm much more comfortable just sharing my faith and why I believe what I I believe and how I've been able to withstand what we've gone through. Right. And it is, it's incredible. And it's such a testimony to your faith and it shines bright. And, um, what a, what a gift that you're able to share that with other people too. Um, cause not everybody gets that gift, you know, to, sh to be able to share and want to share, you know, or maybe they're still afraid and, um, it's, it's very beautiful and such a blessing that you're, you know, confident and you're strong enough to share your story because it's not easy yeah. to talk about. We, we all know. Not, yeah. You don't want to offend people too. And you don't want to feel like you're forcing something down their throat. And that's not at all what we're doing. It's just, I think to myself, because even we went to counseling right away when mm -hmm. Sawyer passed away. I mean, within probably two weeks time, we started going to grief counseling and I told the counselor, I, I said, I feel like we're doing well. And he said, oh my gosh, you guys are doing remarkably well. And that's only because it's not of ourselves at all. It's only right. because of our faith and the strength of the Lord. And so it's like, you know, when I share the goodness of God, it's not because I'm a Bible thumper and want to hit somebody over the head with it. It's because I want them to have the same thing. You know, if you have the, the answer to everybody's problems, why wouldn't we share it? Like, you know, we should love people enough. And two, it going through loss like this, it gives you such perspective and you realize, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Are we just going around in circles in our life? Like, why are we here? And it is, it's to, it's to make an impact. It's to love God. It's to love people. And, um, what I, am I even loving people if I don't share the goodness of God and, you know, share my testimony of the goodness of God, because they too can have what we have. It's, yeah. it's a free gift for anyone. It's nothing that we can earn. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's why it's made it, it's made it easy to be more bold because it's just telling our story. That's all it is. It's yeah. not, you know, it's, it's not forcing anything down anybody's throat. Exactly. But I think because we've gone through such loss, people are more inclined to listen. And then there's the whole aspect of, well, then I feel like I have more of a responsibility then since somebody might turn their ear more towards me than they would Joe Blow on the street. Then I have even more of a responsibility to just share of God's faithfulness. Right. Incredible. Um, Summer, how um, did your other children deal with the loss? And, um, you know, that just brings on a whole new challenge as a parent when you're trying to grieve and heal yourself. Um, do you have any advice for other parents that might be going through a similar situation? You know, how did your kids cope? And um, do you have any tips or advice for them? Um, so, you know, I don't know if I have advice necessarily because every child is so different. Um, my son is an outward griever. He 
just wears his emotions on his sleeve, like his mama. And um, my daughter is much like my husband. She's a stuffer. And so she kind of, she needs to grieve quietly in her room and in her bed and crying to her pillow. Um, they've both been drawn more towards younger children. And so I see that gaping void in their heart of missing having a little brother. Um, but they grieved very differently. I've also heard that kids, especially if they're younger, they need to play and they need to play hard. And so we really tried to do that right after Sawyer passed away. We had some family take them on just a little, a few day trip to our cottage where they, where we could have time to grieve and be raw and just ugly cry and not have that seared into their memories. And they, you know, they have plenty of those memories seared anyways, but just in the, the early days that really helped us because they could go have fun with their cousins and not have to worry about, about seeing that. And then we met up with them a few days later, but um, as far as grieving, it's still a process. And then, you know, I, but I do think what is healthy is that we talk about Sawyer constantly. Mm. So it's nothing taboo. You know, we don't yeah. want there to be anything taboo. They can ask any questions. They can ask about the accident. They can ask whatever they want. We really try to be very open with our kids and, and having that open communication. And then there were times where my, um, one of my kids said, you know, I'm sorry, I don't cry about him as much anymore. And they were like apologizing. And I said, it's okay. I was like, you don't have to cry about him to love him. That doesn't mean you don't love him. And I think they needed to hear that because they right. felt broken and a little bit defective. Um, so I said, just know that when I cry about him, it's not because I love him more. It's just because I am not able to rub him on the head or kiss him on the head like it can do to you guys as often. And so it's just this pent up grief that I can't express. So mama's going to have to cry and let it out. But just know that you are loved just as much as he is. And um, so, yeah, so it was just, and it's a delicate balance, I think, between um, I didn't want their childhood colored with a mom who is crying excessively all the time. Right. But I also wanted them to know that they need to go forward in life and it's okay to feel their feels, you know, and it's okay to express your emotions and that God gives us these emotions for a reason. So it was just a real delicate balance um, to have to navigate that. So, wow. And what were the ages of your other children at the time? Oh, wow. So they're old enough to definitely know what, what happened. Mm -hmm. Wow. Very much. And it was hard because um, our daughter, you know, she heard me when I ran out to the road, she heard me talk to Sawyer. She heard me say, it's okay, Sawyer. It's okay. And so she thought that he was coherent and that he was going to make it. So that was a real hard blow for her when she got to the hospital, but she walked around very stoically, very checked out and um, just internalized things. Whereas my son, um, he climbed up in bed and he you know, held his hand and just cried and wept with us. And they just dealt with it very differently. And um, I just tried to really make it a point that they knew it was okay how they were dealing with it. Like, you know, that they're going to, they're going to look different. Yeah. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, because yeah, I, I guess I've never really hit on that before in our podcast, but you know, kids must grieve differently, just like we do as adults. And there isn't just a one page handbook that we can read to just make our kids feel better. Um, but that is, that is great advice. Thank you. Um, I definitely tried to keep my son really busy after the accident too. Um, but he was only four when his sister passed away and 
I don't think he quite grasped the reality of it for a few years. So it was almost like a delay in his grief. Um, so it is, it's definitely interesting to hear about how, you know, other kids' experiences are and the resilience too that they have. Yeah. And we did. Um, so like I said, we were in counseling right away. Um, my kids were not, because I asked our counselor, I said, what is your advice? Mm -hmm. You know, I said, they seem to be adjust. I mean, they seem to be okay emotionally. And he said, unless it's impairing their ability to function, don't force them to go to counseling. He said, because I see so many kids who are forced at a young age and then they resent it and they don't use it as a tool later in life. And so we didn't want that. And then there did come a time where there was uh, just a, a glaring sign that it was time for counseling. And so we did send our daughter and um, it helps her a lot once she was ready for it. Um, and she, they did a lot of play. They did some play therapy. And then um, we sent our son and our daughter's was because she wasn't releasing the emotion. She was just stuffing it up and then it exploded. But then our son, it really rocked his faith and he questioned his faith. And so his faith was a little shaky for a bit too. Um, and he went to counseling and over time it's gotten better. It's strengthened. But um, I just, I do think that there's a time for counseling, but our, you know, our counselor suggested not to force it. So right, right immediately and until you knew that there was a, a sign that they needed it. Right. That's awesome. Um, do you have any other tools that you used besides your faith that has obviously gotten you through the hardest times of your um, life, but do you have any other tools that you used, you know, day-to-day, -day, like therapy-wise um, and self-help-wise that worked for you for your grief? Um, I, I would allow myself to just drive down the road at night by myself and scream at the top of my lungs sometimes when I was just aching and hurting and I mean, to the point where my, where my throat hurt afterwards. Um, and we have just by the grace of God been surrounded with such an army of amazing friends and family. And I initially, I sent them a text in the early days and I said, listen, here's, here's how I work. Here's what I need. I need to hear from you. If I don't hear from you, I think you've forgotten. If you're texting me every day, because some were, you're not driving me crazy. It helps. Wow, I said, I might not great. respond. I said, I might not respond, but it helps. I said, um, you know, invite me, keep inviting me to the functions. I'm probably going to say no 99% of the time, but one day I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to need you there. And they did, they did those things and they helped me tremendously because I mean, it, it, they were patient with me and, and, um, they were just a tremendous blessing in those early days and still continue to be. Um, so that's just, yeah. I know not everybody has that and my heart hurts for people that don't have that, but that's one of the biggest things that helped us as our community. Right. Just being direct. And I think it's hard to ask for help, but if you're direct from the get go and just say what you need, that helps, that helps them support you too. At the it, same time, then they're like, no, yeah, they and don't know. Yeah. My husband would say, Summer, they don't know what they don't know. Because there were a couple people that did kind of drop off of, of the face of the earth and, you know, were no longer friends, not because we had a falling out, just because for whatever reason, they could not, they couldn't be a friend to us after that. And I don't know if, you know, people are scared of their own emotions. And I think that's honestly what it was. But they're, the ones who stayed are far more than the ones who, who left. 
And, um, but yeah, I just think being direct because people don't know how to help and they don't know what they don't know. And so there were some people that were like, I'm so glad you sent that message because I thought you would probably needed your space. And that's why I haven't been reaching out. And then there were others that were like, I'm so glad you sent that message because I thought I was driving you crazy with my text messages, but I'll keep them coming. So it's people second guess themselves. And, you know, and I think people are so afraid to offend that they keep their distance mm-hmm. and they don't say anything at all, but the silence hurt the most, right. the avoidance hurt the most. Yeah, that's great. Honestly, I wish I would have done that and been direct right from the get go of, you know, expressing my needs. That's, that's a good tool that, that people could use and utilize. So, you know, be direct, send the message of what you need that is going to help you in your grief. And a lot of times we don't know, like in the beginning, I, I always felt like so disoriented. I didn't even know what I needed because people would ask, you know, what do you need? How can I help? And I, I literally would just look at them blankly and say, I don't know. Um, and that's why it's important to have that, those friends who are still there for you because, you know, don't check in once a week, check in every day because mm-hmm. you don't know what you need for yeah, tomorrow until exactly. tomorrow. And so, you know, if somebody would have checked in and said, Hey, what do you need today? You could have probably said, can you just sit with me while I fold laundry? You know, sometimes you just need to know you're not alone. Like exactly. my husband went back to work right away. My kids went back to work. I was alone a lot. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think that, you know, that checking in frequently really helps because we don't know what tomorrow holds. So we don't, exactly. we really, we don't know what we need sometimes. Exactly. Well, I would love to talk about the book that you co-wrote with your husband, Hope Remains. Um, now it makes sense why there's a little matchbox car on the cover. I love that personal touch. Um, can you share um, about your book and where it's available? Okay. So the matchbox car on the cover is actually the very car that's all you have if you pedal into the road. So I am, oh my so it's gosh. even more special because one of my best friends is a photographer. And so we use the same car and we just recreated a picture that I saw online somewhere. And, um, and then the little hand that's on the cover is so on the cover, it's the little hand pushing a max matchbox car. So there was, um, the little hand was from my friend's son who looks very much like Sawyer. So it was just a lot of sweet little God wings. Yeah. You gave but, me um, goosebumps there. <laughs> so our book, I felt the Lord call us to write a book, um, about a year after Sawyer passed away. And, um, I told him so many times that he had the wrong girl, that I wasn't a writer, that, um, this, you know, are you sure we've already shared our story because there's a very large Christian music radio station who did, um, a video with us and Casey and it went viral. And so I'm like, God, we already shared our story, but he told us to write a book. And if we wouldn't have written the book, then I knew we weren't fully walking in obedience with him because we just said, God, we want you to use this however you see fit. Like this was such a heavy loss for us. We want his little life to matter. And, and it did matter, but we wanted God to use it to its full capacity. And so he told us to write a book. And um, so we did. So it was been like three and a half years in the making. And it, it, the subtitle is Seeing the Goodness of God in the Shadow of Suffering. And so it's part memoir. It's a lot of our story, but a lot of it has um, Christian living application. So, you know, somebody doesn't have to have someone would not have had to lose a child in order to, to get something from the book. We talk about our marriage and how God strengthened our marriage through it and how our marriage was rocky for a long time. Um, I talk about an emotional affair that I had, um, in our marriage. So it's very, 
raw and transparent because I think pretending that we have it all together doesn't help anybody. So I'm very big on being an open book. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we talk about just how the trials kind of kept coming a little bit after Sawyer died. You know, you kind of feel like I wear the badge, I'm off limits. I've suffered enough, but right. the devil says no. And, um, he's going to prey on that, you know, he's, yeah. and, and the louder you are about sharing the goodness of God, the more you're going to become a target because he wants to quiet you. So we talk about how God wants to use our brokenness and how he can use anybody's brokenness. And then at the end, we really close with how suffering is a gift, how it's a painful privilege that we have to steward well. Um, If God allows us to go through hard things, it's because he wants to use it. And we get the choice to decide if we want to partner with him or not. You know, are we going to make the most of this tragedy or are we going to just sit and wallow in our hurt and our pain? Because there's such a draw and such a temptation to withdraw from life and to just nurse our wounds. And in the beginning, we have to do that, but we don't have to stay stuck there. And so we have a chapter called no parking and, um, we just, oh, I we love that. People, yeah, we didn't want people to park in their pain. Um, so yeah, so that's our book. It's available on Amazon. It's available at barnesandnoble.com and booksamillion.com. Um, so yeah, we just released it at the end of February. We released it close to Sawyer's birthday and, um, and God's been really faithful in just ministering to hearts through it. So it's exciting to see how he wants to use it. Now we're to the point where we're like, okay, you didn't have the wrong girl. All right. I guess you knew what you were doing. So <laughs> right. even though we doubted ourselves a million times over, um, but we've got some strong endorsements. There were a couple of New York times bestselling authors who endorsed it. Amazing. Artist. It is. It's just a testament to the Lord's faithfulness. So it's not yeah. because we're fabulous writers, but um, I guess they, you know, they saw the value in it. So well, that is beautiful. So uh, folks, check out um, her book, Hope Remains. It's available on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. Um, I will also um, include some information on that as I share it on our Instagram and our um, Angel Talk podcast pages. So um, you guys can check it out because it sounds amazing and such a testimony of, um, you know, your love for the Lord and what he's done in your life. And I just feel so lifted up after talking to you today, Summer, you are a ray of light. And, um, I know our listeners can probably feel that as they listen to your story today. And so I really thank you. I thank you for taking the time to come on and be vulnerable, um, and share the good and the bad, um, because, the good, it does outweigh the bad, right? Can you agree to that? I, I mean, it really does. And I just, and that's why I just, I feel like, you know, suffering is a privilege because I'm on the other side where I can see all of the good that God has allowed to come from it. And I've never, I would have never chosen it ever. If someone said, you know, would you rather have your son back? Yes. A million times over. Mm-hmm. However, there are things that have happened in my marriage, in my heart, in my home that would have never happened without experiencing the loss in my friends' marriages, in their hearts, in their homes. You know, it's just, it had such a ripple effect that, um, you know, God, God sees the bigger picture. So, but thank you. It just, it means a lot to me because my heart is so much to just share hope with people because life is hard and, and we can't go through it without hope. And so that means a lot to me. Right. We can't go, um, through this too alone. And so it's nice to know that um, there's other mamas out there that feel the same way and that we can march forward together and um, offer, you know, hope and inspiration to other grieving families. And you're not alone. And 
we feel your pain, but there is always a light at the end of the tunnel and to keep fighting that fight and don't let the devil win. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I don't want them to feel broken because their heart hurts because it will always hurt. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want them to feel like, oh, there must be something wrong with me because these ladies are just able to just, you know, shake it off and move on. What's wrong with me? No, that's not the case. You know, there are still many times that we're crying and that we're just, our hearts are aching. But at the end of the day, when it's said and done, the hope does outweigh the sorrow. And it does, um, you know, the Bible says that we don't grieve as those who don't have hope. And it's just so true. So there's, there's, there's that hope is always available. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Summer. And um, to our listeners, we will tune in with you guys next week. And thank you so much. All right, and so that was Brand's final uh, piece of the interview with Summer Gordon. We want to thank Summer for coming on. We will make a, a link to her book for purchase available uh, in this week's episode's uh, description. Really neat. It's really cool how Bryn is able to to bring these different folks in and and have this really incredible inspirational chat. So we want to thank Summer for coming on again. She is the author of Hope Remains. So uh, you can even Amazon that. It's it's there. Google that book and see see what you think of it. Uh, we want to um, wrap up by giving you some information on some of the events. We do actually have events coming up now, and here's what's neat. Um, one of the general themes for our events coming up is the comeback starts here, and that's exactly what these events are meant to do. Each one of our events is actually in person. I mean, we're trying as hard as we can to keep uh, COVID protocols together. We're actually super excited about our first invitation-only event, uh, the Spring Spritzer, which happens on April 24th at the Kodiak Room here in Tonino. That particular event is invite-only. Um, it is it is free to attend for those that we invite, but it is COVID protocol heavy. So you got to wear a mask, you got hand sanitizer, you're going to be asked a series of questions when you come in, the whole nine. But we're really excited because it is the first-person event First in-person event here in this county uh, since COVID began. So we're, we're excited about that. A month later, we're out on the golf course. So it is our annual endowment golf tournament, the RFR golf tournament. It's on May 21st. The first tee time is at like 8 o'clock. Uh, so we'll have folks out there uh, golfing at around that time. So if you're into that, you can visit www.rfrgolf.org and sign up your team today. Uh, we are also going to be looking into, breaking a little news here, we're going to be looking into a, a potential tournament next year in Arizona. So if anybody has any contacts, that would be awesome. And then finally, on June 19th, we have the run for Rowan. Yes, we are bringing the run back. It is not going to be the virtual run, although we will have that component still. Um, we are actually going to do the entire run in person. It'll have some staggered times. It'll have some COVID protocols. This is on June 19th out, out here at the Tonino City Park uh, here in Tonino, Washington. For those who are local, you can come on down. And then we just have a tentative date for the dinner and auction of September 25th. That is, our, as most of you know, our big event. That's when we have a lot of folks come out, about 450. So we put that off towards the end of the year so we can get everybody in. Uh, those are kind of the, the different events we have coming up. We want to thank everybody for taking a listener. A reminder for you to uh, subscri uh, subscribe to the show, rate and review us, share this with your friends. The more people we get this in front of, the more people we're able to help. So we want to thank everybody. We want to thank Summer Gordon again, the author of Hope Remains. I want to thank the ambitious angel mom for doing her thing every single week. My name is Philip Kerrigan. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>